I'm glad to announce that now I have two new sponsors for this podcast. This portion of the Scott Townsend Show is brought to you by Pops Daylight Donuts. Pops Daylight Donuts has the best donuts, sausage wraps, and pastries in Northeast Oklahoma. The staff is exceptional. They process your order fast. And if you tell them, hey, Scott Townsend said for you to give me a large spicy pig, they will give you a free large spicy sausage wrap. But you have to tell them, hey, Scott Townsend said for you to give me a large spicy pig. That's crucial. For more information on store hours, location, phone number, you name it, see the show notes below. Pops Daylight Donuts. Go get you some. And by Castafly Outdoor Adventures YouTube channel. Adventure. That's where it begins. We look to create and document our moments in time while embracing the majestic wonder and beauty of the great outdoors. Our quest is to explore the back roads of the Ozarks, camping, fishing, and just getting lost. Refresh your spirit and join us on our next adventure. Paul and his crew invite you to subscribe to the Castafly Outdoor Adventures YouTube channel. Welcome to the Scott Townsend Show, brought to you by Dietzo Man Productions. Hey, this is Scott Townsend, and thanks for joining the Scott Townsend Show. And today I have with me a special guest. He says he's an average guy with a love of space exploration, but I would beg to differ. He's way more than average, and uh, he does definitely have a love for space exploration. A good friend of mine, Shane Nix. Shane, how's it going? It's great. Good to be here. Thanks for having me. Hey, you bet. I, uh, Shane and I used to have some really good conversations about space and space exploration. And with Mars landing coming up uh, this Thursday, uh, which dates this podcast, we, uh, I thought it'd, it'd be good to have Shane on and get his perspective on <clears throat> what's going on right now since the world is looking at Mars and Thursday all, all eyes will be on TV sets and uh, computer screens watching Perseverance uh, land, hopefully. So anyway, how did you, let's start with the, your uh, beginning uh, with uh, uh, space exploration. How did you uh, fall in, quote, love with space exploration? Well, it started when I was a kid. I had an uncle who was part of the Cassini-Huygens mission to Saturn and Titan. And I just thought that was the coolest thing in the world, that we could send a satellite that far and take pictures and send them back. And wow. he really fed into that. And I had some cool posters that he sent me and <laughs> lots of neat things. So we've got this uh, Mars uh, Perseverance uh, rover landing Thursday. Um, why is Mars important to, to us? Well, Mars can really tell us a lot about the building blocks of life and if they're even possible on another planet. So Earth exists in kind of a Goldilocks zone where things are just right for life. We're not too hot. We're not too cold. We're not too close to the sun. We're not too far from the sun. So Mars can really tell us a lot about the beginnings and possibly the endings of life. And uh, we're really trying to expand our search for life elsewhere. We could possibly expand the Goldilocks zone as well to include other places in the future Hmm. for external planets. Right. What's the um, objective or objectives of the... uh Perseverance rover on this mission? So it's really looking at four 
main ones. Geology, we're looking at the bottom of a lake bed on this one. Mm. The Jezero Crater. It used to be a lake the size of Lake Tahoe now. Jezero? Jezero Crater, yeah. And they found on Earth that the best place to look for life, fossils, micro stuff, is always going to be at the bottom of extinct lakes or current lakes. Hmm. So that's what we're aiming for here is to drill rock samples into the bottom of this lake. We're looking for micros and it's, it's going to be small life. We're not seeing any large fossils laying around Mars, at least not yet. <laughs> oh, wow. And but, uh, uh, yeah. And so astrobiology is another one. What's that all about? Astrobiology is the hunt for life outside of our own planet. Hmm. So it would be anything. So we're still be, looking for life on Mars. Yeah, still looking for life on Mars. Yep. Or or the, the uh, historical life on Mars. Yeah, yeah, it'll be past and extinct at this point. <laughs> <laughs> no little green men running around. Yeah. Um, the other objective, uh, it was the uh, preparation for human prepping for us. So that one's really neat. They're, they sent up a package that's going to attempt to create oxygen out of the really thin carbon dioxide atmosphere that Mars has. And if that small package works on a small scale, they can scale it up for human habitation later on. They've also sent along a weather package on top on the uh, Perseverance rover that's going to be measuring Mars climate long-term. So they'll get a better, better understanding of Mars weather and climate, seasonal highs and lows, storms, that sort of thing. So <clears throat> why are we so interested in inhabiting Mars and, 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 let, and let's see, how would, I, how would I say that? It seems like we would want to first focus on inhabiting the moon since we've already been there. Yes. Then Mars. And we haven't even done it on the moon yet. So I would think we would, we would start with, but that's just my small thinking. What, what do you think about that? They, they are pushing for a moon base. That, that is happening. I think a lot of the Mars is coming from, we haven't been there yet as people. The trick is getting there as people. So we're trying to do as much of the science beforehand as we can, because people really don't keep well on seven month missions with no food. (laughs) 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 Um, But the moon is easy to get to. And there's been a lot of talk that we should be setting up a, a forward base on the moon to make the jumps to Mars a little easier. Mm-hmm. And that, that will come, I believe. But mm-hmm. Mars is more of a, we haven't been there yet, so we want to send people there. Okay. All right. I get that. The, uh, one of the more interesting, oh, I forgot the fourth one. The fourth objective, uh, what's that? The Sample uh, caching. Sample caching. So that, uh, what is that? So they're going to be drilling um, – it's almost like the oil derricks or the, uh, the oil drills here. They have a hollow core drill bit that's going to pull out pieces the size of classroom chalk. And then it's going to insert it into 30 metal tubes stored in the bottom. It has a robotic arm underneath the robot. And then it's going to kind of drop those samples as it goes along so that they can be retrieved and sent back to Earth later if NASA wants them back. One of the, it's all interesting. It's all super cool. Um, it's, you know, the, then there's the sky crane. 
can you talk a little bit about yeah can you talk a little (laughs) bit of what's the sky crane and and you know they used to i I guess uh, they used to have an airbag wrapped Mm -hmm. around the rover and it would bounce on the surface (laughs) and then come to a at some point where it would deflate um what's the sky crane what's what's that all about sky crane is really neat so when the uh hits the martian atmosphere it's going to be moving thirteen thousand miles an hour when it slams into the martian atmosphere and it's going to be slowing down slowing down it's going to be using that ablative plating on the bottom it's going to glow super hot and it's going to slow down to the point where it can deploy a parachute that parachute's going to keep slow it down to about 200 miles an hour but even then it's still going too fast to survive so they're going to drop the bottom off that ablative plating and then the uh Sky crane is going to eject from the bottom, right out the bottom. And uh, it's got like these Iron Man jetpacks on the corners. It's really cool. Yeah. And then about 40 feet or so from the surface, it's going to start lowering 21 feet of, of uh, I'm sure it's cable from the bottom, while these thrusters are providing opposing thrust upwards. So it's going to be acting like an air brake with these giant thrusters on the corners. And it's going to slowly. While the, the thrusters are hovering, it's going to slowly lower the rover to the surface. So it can, it, it, I imagine a lot of us have probably seen um, the SpaceX rockets that come back to Earth and uh, land <clears throat> with pinpoint precision with those type of boosters, you know. I'm oh, guessing yeah. it's kind of like that maybe. Yeah, everything is autonomous because the, uh, the signal takes between 5 and 20 minutes at light speed most of the time it's about 12 minutes for a signal to reach from earth to Mars. Mm. So nobody's going to be flying this thing. Everything is autonomous. Mm. It's all programmed in. Wow. And so, and then the other cool thing is this uh, helicopter that they have uh, under, (laughs) under the Rover. So this helicopter ingenuity, uh, you know, when I was kind of looking into it, some, it uh, just looks like a regular, I don't know, drone helicopter kind of a thing, but uh, it does. What, uh, what's special about this one versus one that, might, that we might be flying around here? Well, it deploys from the drone itself, and it becomes a drone, or it deploys from Perseverance, and it becomes a flyable drone. This is cool because we've never flown on another planet, so this is like a second Wright Brothers moment. It's four pounds, so it's not a huge one, and it's fully... It's autonomous once they send it the programs for the day. So they're going to upload a flight program for it. It's going to fly. I think it can only fly about uh, 22 miles an hour, 23 miles an hour. And the range isn't super far, but the fact is it can move a lot faster, farther than the rover can. Hmm. The rovers are only moving one to two miles an hour with the nuclear battery. They're big and heavy and slow to save battery power these little flight ones can go a lot farther. I think the Rover what, is like a ton, weighs a ton or something yeah, like it's, that. It's bigger than it looks. Yes. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and the flight, if the flight works with a smaller one, that means they should be able to scale it up in the future for manned missions to make farther expla- exploration. They can hit a lot farther, a lot faster and sample a larger sample size. So we've got uh, some guys like flying drones here uh, on Earth. Uh, we've got guys here with joysticks flying this Ingenuity on Mars. 
So they'll, they'll upload a flight mission to it, but nobody's going to be flying it with joysticks. Mm. They're just going to tell it, fly here and take this sample. Fly over here and take this sample. So it's going gonna, it's gonna to have to do everything on its own because of the light speed delay on the, on the transmissions. Hmm. Even traveling at light speed, it's so far it takes 12 minutes just to get there. <laughs> oh, man. And, and cold, you know, uh, uh, what is that, 130 degrees below zero at night or something like that? Yeah, Mars is. I found it interesting that the, uh, the rotors on the uh, Ingenuity are longer and they spin faster because the atmosphere on Mars is a lot uh, thinner. It's very thin, yes. So, you know, here on Earth, a helicopter can screw through real dense atmosphere oh, and yeah. go, you know, pretty quick. But uh, if there's nothing to screw through, basically, <laughs> there's no uh, – uh, the atmosphere is so less – but the good thing about it is they, it doesn't have to fight as much grav, uh, gravity as what we do This is true. It will be lighter, yes. <laughs> so it'll, it'll be fighting less, yeah. What do, you, what do you hope happens with this mission? I'm hoping Personally. for a smooth touchdown to get everything on Mars and confirmed safe. And then I'm really excited to see how the, the helicopter ingenuity performs. It's, uh, that's a really big deal. The, the rover, we've done that. It's got a new science package this time, but we've done that. Yeah. And it's, it's kind of... It's the safe option. I'm really excited about the first flight. That's going to be super cool. All right. And to see how that works and what they, they experience from that and bring home. So I'm guessing this uh, Ingenuity will maybe have a camera on it. Uh, I believe it does. They, there's 22 cameras in total, and there's several microphones on it as well, so we'll be able to hear things on Mars. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Wow, can you imagine being one of the engineers and you know this thing's uh you're not even able to watch it in real time land and you've just got to hope that you didn't uh get a decimal point wrong or something in your calculations. Oh yeah. <laughs> that would be gut-wrenching. <laughs> What's so, the, go ahead. Because of that light delay, the 12-minute light delay, once it starts the 7 minutes of terror when it hits the top of the atmosphere, once we see that What's it's that? hit the atmosphere. Seven minutes of terror. What's that? So that's going to be the radio blackout because it won't be able to transmit while it's fl- flying through the atmosphere. Oh, okay. Because of the, pl- the plasma and the, the heat. Okay. Um, they, they lose contact with it until it breaks through the atmosphere. It'll regain communication <laughs> once it's actually on the ground. Um, but they don't, they don't know anything until then. They're just kind of hoping that they're programming is going the way it should be <laughs> and that every, every explosive bolt fires when it should. Right. <laughs> um, wow. But the, uh, once it hits there, once we find out that it's hitting the atmosphere, it's already been on the ground for five minutes. So we get to watch it after it happens. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, the good thing is too, though, that they, like you said, they've done this before. So all the, you know, you can't rest on your laurels, but you do have all the calculations for successful landings. So much, much better than when, yeah, when it first started. Oh yes. Right. So the confidence level's got to be a lot higher, but I'm sure no one's getting cocky either. So they're just right. uh, double checking their stuff. Huh. Um, 
What what are the fossils going to tell? If we find fossils, what does that tell us? So we're looking for microorganisms that would be, because it's the bottom of the lake bed, we have found that Mars once had liquid water in abundance. It also has the what we believe are the building blocks of basic life. So we're looking for those signs of basic organisms forming from that. So we're, we're trying to confirm theories here, confirm hypotheses. So if, it's, if there was water, um, was it frozen? It would have been liquid back when Mars would have had a thicker atmosphere. Oh, okay. See, Mars doesn't have much of an atmosphere because it doesn't have a magnetosphere. Earth has a great magnetosphere because we have a hot liquid metal ball spinning. It works a lot like dynamo. It key, it's, it's an energy shield against the sun. It keeps the sun from cooking our planet and blasting away our atmosphere. And uh, Mars doesn't have much of a magnetosphere. So the sun is constantly whipping away its atmosphere. It's just bleeding it and bleeding it. That's another problem that they're going to have to deal if we ever try to um, terraform Mars is the fact that it, Mars can't hold its own atmosphere. It just bleeds away too fast. And so you're saying at one point it did have. At one point they believe it did have because most planets we see do. They start with a hot core and the core slows down over time. So they're saying at one point there are signs of liquid water in abundance flowing because we can see the flowing marks in the sand and the dirt and the rock. That's why the geology is so important. They're studying the formations of the rock to see where water was flowing at one point. Hmm. Other than Mars, uh, what's going on in the universe that interests you <laughs> in the vast universe? What's, what's uh, top of mind as far as Shane goes in the universe? What, what, what's your... An oldie but goodie. The Voyager 2 oh, has, yeah. left, has left the heliopause. So that is our sun's little area of the galaxy. That's the influence of our sun. Our sun kind of protects us from a lot of the stuff coming in. And what it found was that it ran into a wall of fire, is what they're calling it. Not a literal wall of fire, but huge amounts of cosmic radiation right outside of our sun's influence. And so the Voyager, uh, remind me, the Voyager, that was a, uh, we just... Uh, shot is like a a satellite or a, a yeah it was a basic satellite that had uh, was using an ion engine and it has a huge radio antenna and we sent it it went through a tour of the of the uh, solar system that's where some of our earliest pictures came from <laughs> and it wasn't one that was coming back it was uh, felt like um, what was that one that went to Pluto. Oh, uh, yeah. I ran across that one this morning. New Horizons. Huh? A lot like New Horizons. Hmm. And uh, it's just going to keep going and keep going and keep going. And so at this point, Voyager 2 is the farthest man-made object ever. And it's still going. And it's still receiving extremely, it's still transmitting extremely faint radio signals. And it's still able to tell us a little bit of what what's out there. Man, that's incredible. It really is. <laughs> oh, man. Well, Shane, thanks a lot for giving us your insight on Mars and sharing your passion. Sharing your passion for the space exploration and uh, 
let's hope on Thursday that they have a safe landing and we might find some might find some fossils worth uh, looking at. Absolutely. All right. Well, if you uh, like the show, if, uh, I invite you to share, like, subscribe to the Scott Townsend Show on uh, iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts or your, wherever you listen to your podcasts. And you can also uh, watch us on YouTube. You can like, subscribe, and share that as well. Um, so for Shane Nix, this is Scott Townsend. Thanks for joining us today. Have a great day, and we'll talk to you later. The Scott Townsend Show is a Dietzo Man production. For more episodes, visit the Scott Townsend Show YouTube channel. Listen on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. The Scott Townsend Show.